Welcome to the I Can't Deal With This Podcast, episode 30. We got the Zoom meeting going on. We have Ben, we have Gabe. How are we doing, guys? How are you feeling being at home, being under quarantine? How are you guys feeling? I'm all right, just under quarantine like the rest of the world and just taking it day by day. What are you What are you doing, Gabe? You do, you watching any uh you watching any cool shows? You doing anything cool during the quarantine? Nope, I'm just here by my lonesome. Well, I mean, I got a big family, so not by my lonesome, but you know what I mean. I feel that you do have a big family. You got what? Five, four siblings. Yeah, four siblings. The the second of five, which is wild because. Ben, you got two siblings. I got one sibling. I cannot imagine. Ben, can you imagine having four siblings instead of two? Dude, I could hardly handle two when I was younger. <laughs> I can't. Like, I think two would be like the the most I would I could really take. Yeah, and like Ben, you're like the oldest of, or you're the youngest of the three. Yeah. But Ben is like, or Buddy's like the second oldest, so he has to like watch him and like care for him and stuff, which is wild to me. Yeah, it's hard, really hard and stressful. Dude, my now, girl's the oldest. Yeah. Now, guys, I have to ask you because this just happened yesterday. What do you guys feel about the Christian McCaffrey? He got a new, he got a new contract extension. Four years, $64 million, $16 million a year. That makes him the highest paid running back in the league, in league history. What do you guys feel about that? Bro, he got that back. Like, he got it. I think he did. I, first off, I think he deserved it. I think he gave the Panthers a boost, especially last season. I think he had a great last season with the unfortunate, like, I think Panthers were 5 and like 10 or 5 and 11 or whatever. He, I think Christian McCaffrey had a great season, and I think I, don't know, I think when um, the Panthers saw that, they were like, let me go ahead and give him a bag real quick. And they did, and I think he deserved it. And it was, it's good to see him come back to Carolina. So, Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Gabe, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. He, um, he definitely deserved it. And, I mean, I think – I don't think he was going to leave anyways, but I, I think the Panthers, like, they're like, keep Christian McCaffrey at all costs, you know. He's our guy. He's right now. He's the best player on the team. So, at all costs, you just got to keep that man. Oh, for sure. Now, I think I think that it was definitely a good move for the Panthers. Definitely solidified that C Mac is the future. He is going to be the cornerstone of the Panthers going forward. But I have to ask you the question because it seems like every year somebody is always trying to set that new high. I mean, you look at quarterbacks, you look at running backs. Last couple years, it was Todd Gurley. Now it's Christian McCaffrey. Who do you think is going to be that next running back that kind of goes above and beyond that $16 million a year? Oh, dude. Um, what, I'm either going to say Leonard Fournette from the Jaguars because okay. I think he had a really good season. And um, I can't remember. It was, it's a Tennessee Titans running back. I can't remember Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry, yeah, they, both Leonard Fournette and Derrick Henry had fabulous seasons. 
And I just think they're, I, both, I think they're both going to have a bright future, honestly. They both are just so unbelievably talented. They're oh, so much fun to watch. For sure. I would say, I would say Derrick Henry is probably going to get his bag. Like, he probably could push the boundary. I don't know about Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette's really injury prone. He's been very injury prone during his kind of career and his life. Um, I think Saquon's going to be that guy. I think Saquon yeah, is going to be the yeah. one who, I think Saquon might be the guy who gets. Not sixteen million, maybe eighteen, twenty million in his lifetime. Was that going to be who you were going to say, Gabe? Yeah, I was going to say Saquon. Dude, I think Saquon. Like, I think the same way in which Lev Bell was a running back and a wide receiver for the Steelers, I think that that's going to be Saquon. Like, he is going to be a. Tra- I mean, Christian McCaffrey's the same way. Don't get me wrong, but I think Saquon is going to be one of the best running backs and probably one of the best receivers, especially probably the best running back receiver coming out of that. Um, and I kind of just wanted to get your guys' opinion on it just because it's so fresh in all of kind of Carolina fans, Carolina fans' minds. But kind of moving on. Um, so I don't know whether you guys have been kind of in the news, but there was a NASCAR driver named Carl Larson, and on one of the e-racing or i-racing kind of virtual reality kind of uh, racing game, he ended up using the uh, he he ended up using the n-word on the broadca- broadcast. Did y'all watch any of the clips or anything about that? No, no. No, I saw it trending on Twitter, I think, but I didn't really – it was something, but I didn't really pay attention to it. But then I, I think I, I saw, like, an article on it, like, the other – the next day or whatever, but I didn't really look into it too nah, much. No, he – so I'll, I'll give you guys kind of the synopsis as to what happened. What happened was is Kyle Larson was playing the game, and what he ended up doing is he thought nobody could hear him. He thought nobody in the game could hear what he was saying, and he was like – do you guys hear me? And then he was like, hey, N-word. And so, Gabe, I I have to ask you because me and Ben, we're not in the kind of – me and Ben are both white males. And so we feel – or I feel that I'm not good at representing kind of saying or not whether a person should or should not use the N-word. As a African-American male, what do you, what do you feel about – other races using the n-word is there a difference in inflection on the hard r or an a what do you what do you think gabe oh well i mean before i say anything this is just like me i'm not speaking for like everybody because everybody has their own opinion i'm i'm a chill person i don't i I don't want to say i don't take offense but like i don't like dwell on it like i just move on um but at the end of the day like, my thing is, like, if I don't think I believe that people should be able to say what they want. But at the same time, like, I think they should face the consequences for saying what they want. If you understand what I mean. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I just I I don't I don't know how to explain, like, because I I can't say how I've built but how what am I trying to say? I can't, I've never been called it. So I can't really say like my experience on it or like how I would react if I were to be called it. But for me, it's just, I think that people should be able to say what they want, but they should also be prepared to face the consequences. Just like what Kyle Larson is 
going through right now. Yeah. Because I, I mean, mean that word is it's yeah, it's I mean, more than the word. It's like a deeper meaning. Yeah. In my opinion. And I, I think, yeah, you're 100% correct. I mean, Kyle Larson, he just got fired from Chip Canassi Racing. Uh, it, it was definitely a big thing. Definitely, uh, uh, he definitely is facing the consequences. And I think that that was very well said, Gabe. Um, now, do you, like, the hard R is a different kind of animal than the A. Do you think yes. that, like, I think it's all about kind of intention. And some people... Usually when people are saying the hard R, it's very racist, it's very like mean, derogatory, but sometimes with the A, it's kind of playing around. Do you find any difference in the two? I mean, you said that you don't really try to dwell on it, but when you see maybe somebody, not not a white male, but maybe like Hispanic or uh, uh, Asian or somebody else of a different culture, does that... When they say the N word, but with an A on it on the end, does that bother you at all or anything? Um, I mean, me personally, it it doesn't bother me as much as it does others. Um, I do the the R is definitely a different animal. Yeah, but the A is kind of more chill, like you're talking to your friends and stuff. I mean, it it would catch me off guard. But I wouldn't, like, be mad about it, if you know what I mean. No, I get that. I get that. So, I just kind of wanted to get your guys' opinion on that because C-Mac was in the news. Kyle Larson definitely was in the news. And it's and it's honestly wild because the same race in which he said the N-word, an old buddy of mine, uh, Justin Botello, he, uh, me and him go way back. We were went to elementary school. He actually was the one who won the race, which is just wild. Um, but, yeah. so, shout out to Justin. But, it also in the news, we got UFC. We talked about UFC trying to kickstart, UFC 249 trying to begin, um, but it seems like UFC has to backtrack once again in which uh, the UFC is canceled. UFC 249 is canceled indefinitely as of right now. Um, and it seems to me like Dana White, he isn't the one who wants to cancel it. It's the kind of big executives of Disney and ESPN and uh, the whole state of California. The governor yeah, is even asking. The Go ahead, Ben. But the governor's kind of s- telling everybody to stay home. And he literally told Dana White, like, hey, man, you can't do this because if you go, if, like, you say, hey, you can be out in public and kind of doing your own thing, then other people are going to kind of take that same stance. What do you guys feel about UFC? Do you think that, do you think that the UFC is going to reopen anytime soon? Or are we kind of done with UFC for maybe even the entire rest of the year? Well, Dana, Dana White bought an island, and it, it, he's trying. I'll give him that. Dana White's giving it his best shot. Obviously, he wants it to continue. He wants it to be – he's trying to advertise it as much as possible. But in the end, I don't think it's going to happen just because the, I, I just think the government's going to get involved. They're going to step right in. They're going to block uh, Dana White from doing anything he wants. So Dana White can – shove and push all day long but at the end of the day i don't think it's gonna happen unfortunately oh no definitely 249 is done but i was uh it's gonna be interesting to see if they're gonna kind of reopen or kind of jump start within the next maybe month or two if they're gonna or if they're gonna 
be kind of out of commission until maybe August, September, or maybe, like I said, maybe even for the rest of the year. Uh, Gabe, do you have kind of a stance and ideas, kind of what UFC's going, what the UFC's doing? No, not re- I mean, I, I agree with Ben. Um, I think, I don't think Dana White's going to, I don't think he has enough say so to be able to get it done. Um, and I, I think UFC's in the same boat as any other sport, really. I think they're going to be gone like, all around the same time and stuff so for sure for sure uh have you guys and i know that this is completely off topic but uh we talked about tiger king last week and kind of on this whole idea of documentaries we got to talk about the last dance michael jordan's uh, final 1996-1997 season with the Bulls, um, and that documentary is coming on ESPN in six days. In, uh, it's I think it's Sunday or Monday, um, in which it's kind of airing. But I, guys, I don't know about you, but I personally think that this is going to be the biggest documentary that's ever released. I think that it's going to have over 5 million views in the first like week. Because people are at home, they're not doing anything, and so everybody's going to kind of look to this documentary as something to do. What do you guys think? Do you think that this is going to excel and there are going to be a lot of people who watch it, or is it going to flop and maybe not as many people will watch it as we think think they are? Oh, it's Michael Jordan. It's the GOAT. I, 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 I'm going to watch it. I know I am. I think it's going to pop off for a seed. It's the GOAT. It's my MJ, man. I'm totally going to watch it for sure. Yeah, so for think, sure. What do you What do you think, Gabe? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and like the playoffs are supposed to be happening right now, and this is like the next best thing. So everybody's going to be tuned into it. So like make up for the basketball playoffs. So I think it's going to be huge. I'm going to watch it also, dude, for sure. I and so I I gotta ask you because this documentary is coming out because we're gonna see the pinnacle of MJ's greatness. I have a question that I got from First Take. Shout-outs to First Take. But who do you guys think is the biggest kind of – the person who suffered the most from MJ's greatness, from MJ being that guy? Ben, I'll start with you. Who do you think suffered the most from MJ's greatness? Dude, the first person that comes to my mind is Patrick Ewing. Like, okay. Michael Jordan beat him in the national championship in 82 when uh, Michael or, uh, Patrick Ewing played for Georgetown. Like, I, I've always thought that Patrick Ewing was just trying to be that Michael Jordan, but he just could not catch up with him, you know? Yeah. Like, even in, even in the NBA, I feel like Patrick Ewing was trying to make his statement like Michael Jordan was, or was trying to prove his point. But, like, I, I, I think... Patrick Ewing was just always too far behind MJ, man. Yeah, so and Patrick- especially especially with Patrick Ewing on the Knicks and Michael Jordan on the Bulls, which both of them are in the East. And it's one thing to kind of be in the West and have a shot every year at the NBA Finals, and you can pretty much waltz your way through the, to the NBA Finals. But if you're having to go through that juggernaut, which is Michael Jordan in that kind of that dynasty which was the Chicago Bulls it's definitely going to be hard especially for one Patrick Ewing because he was pretty much the guy on the Knicks they didn't really have anybody else to kind of back him up so I, I completely agree with you uh I think Patrick Ewing's a good pick Gabe who do you think suffered the most from MJ's greatness I'm gonna go with Carl Malone because um out of because 
out of MJ six times in the finals, Carl Malone and the Utah Jazz, the only team that have the chance to beat him twice because they they played the Bulls in 97 and 98. So Carl Malone had two chances to beat Michael Jordan and to take that zero off his off his record, but he couldn't get it done. And I think when people talk about greatest players of all time, Carl Malone is often left out just because of his lack of rings. And I think if he had gotten at least one against Michael Jordan, he would definitely be up there because he's the second all-time leading scorer. So I think just that alone just completely dropped Carl Malone's legacy like way lower than it should be. I, I completely agree. I mean, Carl Malone, second all-time in points. Do you think that other than Carl Malone, was that Utah Jazz team really that good that they could have posed a challenge to the to the 96, 97, that era Dynasty Bulls team? Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. Basketball's because, a pretty... I mean, because... Yeah, I mean... I think they could have maybe posed a challenge, but if you're talking about the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan, you're talking about Scottie Pippen, who is one of the best all time in defense, was probably one of the best scorers, I mean, in the league at that time. You have Dennis Rodman, who has become synonymous for rebounding. You got some other key players in which can shoot. Was that Utah Jazz team that good that they could have kind of stood up to them? to the Michael Jordan-less Bulls, even without Michael Jordan. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, yeah. I don't think Scottie Pippen had the ability to carry that team like MJ did. I don't think he – I don't think Scottie could have done it. Yeah. Like MJ, so yeah, I, I, agree. I, I think so. I mean, Utah Jazz, I mean, shoot, they had a they had Carl Malone. They had a, uh, Shannon Anderson, I think, was one of them. There's a dude. It's basketball. It's it's any man's game when it comes to basketball, in my opinion. You, you never know what's gonna happen. You could be blown out by twenty or just by one. Who knows? So I think I think yeah, yeah, for sure. And I I think if Michael Jordan hadn't hit that shot, I mean the momentum would have been in the Jazz's favor, and they they could have pulled it out in Game Seven. So, I I, mean, I, for, I forgot that the Utah Jazz were the one who got killed by that shot you're you're 100 right i mean if michael jordan doesn't hit that shot he doesn't push off we could be talking about the utah jazz being the nba champions instead of the the michael jordan led chicago bulls but i'm going yeah. with um for mine i'm going with scotty pippen i think scotty pippen he was definitely elevated by Michael Jordan, but I think Scottie Pippen is very much seen as a Robin compared to a Batman. When I think Scottie Pippen had all the traits and the abilities to kind of lead a team, I don't think that he could have led it the same way in which Michael Jordan could have led it. But if you're talking, if you look at, if you look at the Bulls when Michael Jordan went to play baseball, which he sucked at once again. Just wanted you guys to know this yeah. dude sucked at baseball, but. Um, if you look at when Michael Jordan left and went to baseball, Scottie Pippen carried that team to the playoffs. I think that Scottie Pippen is probably one of the better players of that generation, but he's always kind of left out of the equation just because he was Michael Jordan's sidekick. He was the second option, not the first option. But I think that Scottie Pippen on his own team in his prime could have been as good as a Patrick Ewing, as good as a Akeem Olajuwon. Who knows? I think that he was one of the best. I mean, 
he he has become synonymous with defense. So I think that he could have been one of the best. He could have been the Kawhi before the Kawhi was around, kind of scoring yeah. and defense. Now, now yeah. the Ben, me and you differ yeah. on one kind of key point, and I wanted to he I, we wanted to make sure that the people of the I can't deal with this podcast, the audience, heard our arguments. So. The question is, should the NCAA get paid? Should the NCAA players get paid? Yes or no? Ben, you say yes. I say no. All right? Gabe, you are going to be the judge, so try to keep your biases out the door. Try to listen to both of our stances, and I want you to kind of be the judge as to who wins, who had the better argument. Okay? All right. All right. So we're going to start with our opening statements. One minute on the clock for our opening statements. Gabe, do you have the timer ready? Yep. All right. Ben, I will allow you to take the first opening statement. You may begin. You have one minute. (laughs) So college players should get paid because they have just as much talent and ability as professional players. The NCAA makes around, I want to say – 900 million a year if i'm correct and then each college gets a a portion of that but the players don't they're the ones playing the coaches get paid millions of dollars these kids are missing 16 days out of an academic uh semester in order to play uh college sports and they dedicate a lot of time to it they they can't have jobs because of how much time they uh put into it so i think college players should get paid 100 percent. i think they should get compensated for their likeness i think they should get paid in some sort of way especially if they make it to like the ncaa tournament like you know unc or like duke or something like that those players should definitely get a little something something just for their likeness or just for them you know what i mean and plus they're talented they're kids out there busting their behind and missing class so okay Okay. All right. I will give you my reason why they should not get paid. There's three reasons why I think they shouldn't get paid. The first one is equity. And I'm going to kind of save the whole kind of equity spiel for my main argument. But the biggest thing is, is that where do you draw the line? Does everybody get paid no matter the sport, no matter the talent level on the team? That's my question. If equity cannot be reached, then they should not get paid. It's the nature of the beast. It sucks, but that's what we got to go with. The second reason is you're underestimating the role of an education, scholarships, okay? It Without an education, the reason why people should go to college is for to get an education, to try to make something better of themselves, to become educated. Um, And scholarships, I feel like, compensate athletes generously. They don't have to pay for food. They don't have to pay for housing. They don't have to pay for their classes. They get all of the college experience for free. So that's my second reason. The last reason reason is that colleges shouldn't be up to the highest bidder. It shouldn't be where – if NC State can outbid a three-star recruit more than a Charlotte recruit or something like that, they it shouldn't be that the highest bidder gets the best player because that would be kind of what's going on if they ended up getting paid. But that's my opening statements. Ben, I'll give you your kind of turn. to. You got five minutes on the clock. What is your main argument for why they should or should not uh, get paid? 
I, I refer to college basketball a lot just because I'm a huge fan of that. And, like, we, we have seen an era of one-and-dones where these kids will receive a scholarship, stay their freshman year, play, and then they will go professional. Like, obviously, that's their choice. Obviously, that's what's best for them. Maybe their family needs the money or something like that. So they obviously put the name into the NBA draft. But it would be it would be more beneficial for the NCAA to try to keep these kids. Like, if you're trying – if, you know, North Carolina tries to keep Cole Anthony and not let him go to the NBA, if, if Duke wants to keep Cassius Stanley and not let him go to the NBA, they can offer them brand deals or they can offer them, like, more money into their scholarships because if, if we see a lot – we're seeing an era of one-and-dones, which I don't think is very good. I think a lot of basketball programs like, – like I think Louisville for an example because they were ranked this year. I think they were, like, number 11. Then they were unranked last season, I believe. So it's kind of – it's weird when you have one and dones, man. Like it's just it, it's not a good. I don't personally think it's a good look for the college, and I don't think it's personally a good look for the NCAA. Not giving these kids a little something for their, it's not good for NCAA to not give compensate the kids in some sort of way just because they're they're missing sixteen days out of an academic semester, which is unbelievable. They, I'm pretty sure they get to their dorms at three a.m. and they got an eight a.m. class. Like I just. It's see, it's it's a full time job, like in that description, like it is. And then you said something. What was your second point, Jacob? I I liked what you said. Take this one more time. Uh, my second, second point? point was you're you're underestimating the role of an education and underestimating the role of scholarships. Well, that's what one and dones do. They're underestimating the power of education. Like if they if schools accept one and done players, these kids aren't going to have the greatest GPA. They're going to be more on the court they're going to be more out in the field and whatnot there it's kind of it's kind of bad when kids don't want an education to just want to play basketball i know i think we should be pushing for education so i mean that's just kind of the thing i think compensating the kids is going to change their mind when it comes to going professional or when it comes to making decisions and financially and whatnot so that's just me okay well i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to go against you and the and I do like kind of what you said. Yes, one and dones are underestimating the role of an education. But I think that that is a systematic problem. I think that's an NBA problem. I think that they should do what they do in college fo- college football and raise it to where they can't declare for the draft and cl- declare for the draft until they're a junior or a senior in college. Um, and I think by doing that, they're really – for three years, they're getting an education, whether they take it seriously or not. They're getting some form of education. They're getting some form of life skills where if somehow, some way, their college football career, their basketball career, their baseball career doesn't work out, they have something to back have that kind of background on. Um, but I think kind of going back to my main argument, the biggest thing for me is equity. You have to pay There's two options. You either pay everybody no matter the sport, no matter the position, no matter whether you're a starter or a bench player, you have to pay them equally. That's that idea of equity. Or on the other hand, everybody gets paid as much as they want or based on how much they bring into the school because the harsh reality of it is is that football and basketball bring in a whole lot more money than gym gymnastics or women's soccer or something like that. And so the argument of bringing in or having to pay NCAA players, you have to have this strict guideline and 
nobody's going to be happy. The problem with the compromise is both sides don't don't get what they want. And so my question to you is, what do you do about that? Do you? I agree that kind of there is this idea of paying your players and kind of wanting them to stick around. But the what the problem to me is, is that if we're kind of basing it on how much money they bring into the school, college football players may be getting $100,000 a year while gymnastics kind of players or whatever they're called get $1,000 a year. And to me, that's just not right. But if you're on the other end of the spectrum where where you have football players and gymnastics players get each get $10,000 a year, then gymnastics players are getting overpaid and football players are getting underpaid. And don't See, even and and don't even get me started about whether or not what that means for inequity on the team itself. Like should a quarterback get paid more than a lineman? Should a starter get paid get paid more than a backup player. I mean, each person plays a role on that team and to base it on their skill, their sport. I mean, we're talking about everybody on a college sports team, whether it's baseball, whether it's football, whether it's basketball, everybody's trying to they're playing the best in America. They're playing the best of the best. And you're right. Some of them are playing as good, if not better, players than professional sports teams. But the problem with me is that if we can't find a middle ground, if we can't find a way in which everybody gets paid the same, then we can't do it. And I feel like everybody's going to kind of get angry about that because everybody's going to be losing some kind of money, whether it's the, the low-level the low level people or the high-level people. My second point, and Ben, I'll give you some time to kind of uh, talk, kind of rebuttal, but my second point is underestimating the role of education and scholarships. That's kind of what I was talking about earlier. If you underestimate, with people underestimating these kind of the role of education, what's in what's ending up happening is, is people are going to the NFL, they're going to the NBA, and they might get rich, but they don't know how to spend their money. They don't know how to save their money. They also don't have this kind of idea of other life skills that can suit them whether or not football or basketball kind of plays out. Because if you look at statistics, only like 2%, if that, of people who play college football or play college basketball actually make it to the pros. And so why don't, while they're in college, force them to get some kind of an education to get these life skills? And then the scholarships, I, that's already what I talked about earlier. Everything is already paid for them. It's not like we're, we're making them come in. We're not making a Cole Anthony. We're not making a, a Cassius Stanley come in and have to pay for everything from academics to housing to food to clothes, everything. Pretty much everything is already given to them. In terms of a college sense, we're talking about housing's free, food's free, academics is free, gear and clothes is free. So I just don't see the kind of point of giving them an extra step, an extra step up. And then the last, the last point of my discussion is I think that college shouldn't be up to the highest bidder. 
I mean, if we're talking about an Alabama, an Alabama would be able to offer if we're, there's no rules, there's no regulations. Alabama could offer their players a hundred thousand dollars to come play for them, while Charlotte might be able to only offer a thousand dollars. And so it it makes the rich get r- richer and the poor get poorer. And I just don't think that's right. And the problem is, if we do have that, if we do have some kind of they do get paid. We do have some kind of compensation. What's the rules going to be on it? How much should everybody get paid? Should everybody get paid equal? Should all schools have the equal amount of funds? Where Alabama's football, Alabama's football program might net twenty million dollars. Where where UNC Charlotte's football program might net a million dollars, if that. So like, where does, where does it end? I feel like there's no clear answer to that. And so I'm all the way out on NCAA players getting paid because I just don't feel like there's rules and kind of a structure set up in which it can help and kind of cure the systematic problem of rich getting richer and poor getting poor. So that is my main argument. Ben, what is your closing argument slash rebuttal? So, first off, I'll, I'll, that's a all great statements I will say, but I I'm gonna say first off, the NCAA needs to have a little cap on somebody to have their ducks in a row. And first off, this, when it comes to equity, no matter what sport you play, I believe that you should get you should get paid equally. I don't care if you play women's lacrosse. I don't care if you play Division One men's uh, football or basketball or whatever. You should get paid equally. But if you make it to the tournament and you win, that's when I think you should be compensated a little bit more because you earned it. Like you earned to be in the in the you know in March Madness or if Alabama wins or Clemson wins a national championship and the players get compensated a little bit more for winning a championship, but it's all on an equal playing field. They all, all athletes should make the same money. And I don't believe Alabama should, could offer a kid $10,000 while UNCC offers, you know, $1,000. I think the NCAA, when it comes to division one sports, no matter men, no matter women, it should straight up be, uh, all players should be offered the exact same amounts, no, like no matter no matter what. NCAA should not have a say in that. Now, if they're if they're going to be a one and done player, that's cool. That that that's their choice. But that's just my take on it. Everything it's on an equal playing field. Um, when you when you talk about scholarships, but yes, everything is paid for them. Yes, everything is uh, obviously all the books and everything it might be paid for them and whatnot. But they are traveling they are making a huge sacrifice by going to games i'm sure like unc uh the, the heels had six out of 11 of the last games were away and that's a lot that's a long that's a lot of time away from the class a lot of time away from the bed that you might be comfortable with so that's just that's just how i've always, I've always thought or uh, i've always seen it you said something about uh the very like the very last of like of, of your rebuttal that I wanted to like talk about, but I can't remember what it was. I tried writing it down, but I was writing something down. Uh, obviously, more for tournaments or something else. I can't remember what you said. I was I what said something. I, I was probably talking something to the extent of um, how much should everybody get paid? Should everybody be get paid equal? Should all schools get paid equal? That's kind of what I wanted to know is to whether all, all schools, schools should be equal. It, it, 
it like it depends on the uh, it depends if you if you make the tournament obviously you sh- obviously you're going to compensate a little bit more and if you win a championship obviously I believe you should be compensated more because you you have proven that you can go to that level and you can win at that level so obviously you should be making more but no uh-huh. all, all, I think all schools should offer or the NCAA should only offer kids like X amount of money like that's it no matter if you're football basketball college or uh across you know what have you so that's just I, that's just my thing so okay i'm i'm i think you make good points but the biggest problem that i have and it's kind of going back to this idea of equity is if we're talking i i completely agree with you but in, in kind of the next step of going if you make it to march madness but i feel like these big name schools say for instance we're talking about michigan who brings in 20 million dollars um, but doesn't make it to the college football uh, playoff or doesn't win a national championship, but maybe their girls lacrosse team wins a national championship, what you would be telling me is that the girls lacrosse would be get paid more than the college football who sells at, who sells 20 million tickets a, a game or something like that. I mean – to me, it just seems like a, a systematic problem where we don't have a common solution for it. And I just, because of that, I, I feel like we have to kind of take everything away. And I don't like it like that, but I feel like that's just how we have to do it. All right? Yeah. But it's, I'm running, like I said, I'm running my, uh, my paper on it and it's interesting to me. You know, like, I just, I really think they do. I think they, if they put the time, I just, you know, I think they should. Okay. Now we, I've said my argument, Ben, you've said your argument, Gabe, who won this battle or this debate? Man, (laughs) y'all both had like, y'all both had really good points. I'm a half, I'm a half to lean towards Jacob just cause, um, you know, it would probably bring about more, at least right now, it would probably bring about more questions than uh, solutions. So, yeah, I'm going to have to lean towards Jacob, okay. at least right now. Okay. Well, I I appreciate that, buddy. It's Ben, you, you had a hell, one hell of an argument. But I well, – um, so we'll go on to the next thing. Uh, the next thing is I want to kind of quiz you guys. We're talking about football. Football season's kind of ramping back up. I wanted to quiz you guys as to the quarterbacks and what college they came from. So I got three rounds, and I'm going to quiz you guys as to what college these quarterbacks came from. All right, y'all ready? Yeah. Yep. All right. So – First one to answer gets the point. Cam Newton. Auburn. Oh, ah, All right. Ben gets that one. Baker Mayfield. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I heard. I heard Ben first. <laughs> uh, let's uh, go. Let's go. Uh, Marcus Mariota. Oh, um, uh, uh, Oregon. I heard Buddy first. Jameis Winston. Um, oh, oh, it's on the t- how do I forget? James um, you guys suck. Oh, that's uh, Florida State. Florida State. So it is tied two oh, to two. Uh. All right, we have finished. <laughs> if y'all struggling on round one, then my, we might be struggling because round two and round three just gets harder. So round two, Lamar Jackson. That's uh, Louisville. Louisville, Louisville good. that's right. Damn it. I couldn't think All of it. Right. I was like, uh, oh. Second one, Aaron Rodgers. 
Oh man, I, I have no idea. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I'm lost. I have no idea. California. California. Oh, California. yeah. He went to the uni- the Cal University of Cal. Tom Brady. Oh, Michigan. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. So it is tied three to three again. Patrick Mahomes. Oh, um. Oh my God! Oh my God! Uh, tech, no. A and M. It Texas is not A and M. Five, four, three, tech, uh, two. Texas Tech. They win the Texas, yeah, yeah, Texas Tech is correct. Right. Yeah, he was at the Final Four game. That's it. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, all right. This is round three now. This is the hardest one. Russell Wilson. Oh, NC um, State. Dang it. So I will give you a half point, but if you give me, where did he end his college career? Oh, dang. No, I don't know. I, I know he went to NC State. I ain't got a clue. He, he went to NC State, then he transferred to this place. It is the oh. University of Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Oh. All right, <laughs> next question. So, right now, buddy, you have three points. Ben, you have four and a half points. Where did Matthew Stafford go to college? Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford. I know who he plays uh, for. I ain't got a clue where he went to college. Uh, yeah, I don't know. University of Georgia. Georgia? Ben Roethlisberger. Where did he go to college? Big Ben. <laughs> I will tell you right now it is in the ACC. Yeah, no, I was I was just thinking that. Um, Pitt? No, it is not Pitt. No, damn it. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I got it no is the <laughs> University of Miami. Miami. Oh. And then this is the last one, and I think this is the hardest one. If you get, if you guys get this, I I will be impressed. Where did Matty Ice, Matt Ryan, go to college? He did he go Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. The MVP that lost the Super Bowl. All right, this is my last ten, and this will be a dead giveaway. Give me a hint. He went to the same school Luke Keekley went to. Boston College. Oh, um, oh, dang it! It is indeed Boston College. All right, so so Ben, you so Ben, you pulled it out. Ben had got five and a half points, buddy. You got three points, buddy. I need you to get better. You are an OG of the. I can't deal with this podcast. I'm I'm I'm, I'm sorry. Man. It was the first round that I got nailed those first. Well, two. the next next week we will be doing the same guest to college, but it will be for position players, not for uh, co- uh quarterbacks. So. Buddy, get better. Brush up on your colleges. But, guys, we we also are going to be introducing in the NBA all-time team this week. Um, and so we're what we're going to be doing is this week we're going to be talking about the all-time point guards and all-time shooting guards of all time for 
any era for the NBA. Next week, we'll be talking about uh, small forwards and power forwards. And then the week after that will be center and six man. And so we're going to leave it up to you guys. We're going to leave it up to who is the best point guard, who is the best shooting guard, who is the best small forward. So make sure to check in to our uh Instagram this week and vote on the best point guard and the best shooting guard. But guys, before we head out, who is in your opinion, the best point guard? A lot of like good players just like come, come to mind from, from like Kemba Walker, obviously is a good choice on the way to like, we're talking about all time though, man, all, all time point guards. Steve Nash. You going with Steve Nash? Steve Nash. I might be going with Steve Nash. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Steve Nash. So my boy's going with Steve Nash. Man's going with Steve Nash. Buddy, who are you going with? This may have a lot of controversy. I'm gonna go with Steph Curry. Steph Ooh. Curry, really interesting. Okay. Steph Curry. Gabe, why why would you say Steph? Beats out a Magic Johnson, beats out a uh, uh, Steve Nash. Why is Steph Curry the best of all time? Uh, I mean, I think Steph had more impact on basketball than like pretty much ninety-five percent of all other NBA players in history. And like Steph was the focal point of that of that Warriors dynasty. And plus his MVP season, the 73 and nine MVP season was just arg- like, I think that's a top three season of all time for any player. So yeah, I'm going to stay. Okay. I am actually going with somebody who's a little bit further back. I'm going with John Stockton, the assist King. Oh yeah. I'm about to say the assist King. I- I'm going with John Stockton just because of his unselfishness. Um, I mean, we're talking about a guy who led the league in assists nine times. He led the league in steals three times. He literally, his field goal percentage is off the charts. There are like, there are literally seasons, not games, but seasons in which he shoots 60% from the field. I mean, to me, that is just wild. And his unselfishness is, I think, above and beyond anybody else that we'll ever encounter in the NBA. I mean, We're talking about a guy in which in his prime was averaging 15 assists a night or something to that extent. He was the assist king, and I think because of that and because of his record of assists that is never going to be broken, I think that I got to give it to my boy John Stockton, one of the best point guards of all time. I'm going with the best point guard of all time. All right. Now we go to the shooting guard, the second one that is going to be up for grabs this week. Who do you guys think is the best shooting guard of all time? Ooh, Gabe, go first. I mean, at Michael Jordan. I mean, Michael Jordan is not only the best shooting guard; he's the best player of all time. It's not even. It's not even a debate. Yeah. You know. So yeah. So Michael. You go, Michael. I'm gonna go with Kobe. Okay, Dude, I mean, Kobe, to me, Kobe, to me, Kobe is second. Why do you think Kobe is better than Michael? In this situation for shooting guards, and my point guard, I would like, I would have liked to see Steve Nash and Kobe play together. I think those two would have been really fun to watch. But right, just right now, Kobe was just more of like a one-on-one player. That and he had a really clean shot. So 
I think I'm I'm just gonna go with Kobe as of right now. Also because Gabe, Gabe chose Michael Jordan, so I'm gonna let him choose Michael Jordan. I'm gonna go with Kobe because he is one of the one of the greatest of all time. So I'm oh for go sure. With, I'm going. I'm. I hate to do it, but I'm going to have to go with Kobe. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Michael too, just because you're. You're right, Gabe. He is the greatest basketball player of all time, and the only one who can hold his jockstrap is LeBron James, and he's not a shooting guard. So, I mean, I think that it. The the question for shooting guard is beyond a shadow of a doubt, Michael Jordan. But, guys, I I think that it's going to be interesting to see the all time the all time. NBA team. Um, we're going to decide the point guards this week, shooting guards this week, next week, small forward, power forward, and then the week after that, centers and six man. And six man doesn't have to be like Jamal Crawford. It could be of Larry Bird or anybody who is great and should be on that list but just didn't make the cut. So, Ben, Gabe, do you have any other words of wisdom for our millions and millions of listeners before we kind of head out? Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Okay. Very good for the quarantine. Gabe, you got any words of wisdom? Yeah, just wash your hands, stay inside. I I'm supposed I wanna have I wanna work this summer. I don't wanna be broke, so Everybody just stay inside. Let's get this thing over with, please. I, I, I need that. a job. I, feel that. Dude, I, need, I need something to do. I feel that. <laughs> all, always remember, always remember, stay present. It's not all about the future. It's not all about the end goal. Because I think in today's society, we get so caught up in looking towards the future, looking towards that next step that we forgot, we forget to bask in the glory of the present. Hear that? That's that's a teacher talking right there. Man. Deep. It was deep. All right, guys. Y'all have a good week. Stay safe. Remember what Gabe said, what Ben said. Wash your hands. We'll see you next week.